Welcome to the Soul Patch Podcast, the podcast where three American expats explore different topics related to living and working in South Korea. With a combined 50 years of living experience in Asia, there are plenty of stories to tell. So, pop in your AirPods and make yourself comfortable. It's time for the Soul Patch Podcast. Okay. Um, so today we're... Yeah, today I thought I would uh, talk about shamanism with you guys um, because it's something that is actually has more influence on the culture um, in Korea than maybe I first realized. Because I, I I don't know what your experience with it is, but Kevin, you said you watched a couple of YouTube videos like uh, from Vice News about Korean shamanism. Yeah, one one Vice, one something else. Just really basic. Like one of them was talking. They were both talking to a shaman. Um, and just asking like really, really quick questions. One of them was a little bit longer and they were just kind of explaining like, how does one get into it? What is involved in shamanism? Uh, and one of them showed an example and you mentioned the pig just a second ago. One of them showed an example of like some ritual that they were doing with like a pig. And a cow. Uh, They'll do like a whole cow too. Oh, like that. I didn't see that one, but. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like, uh, those are pretty expensive too. My understanding is like no those, those really big, um, uh, well, I'll get onto it later, but it's called a uh, it's called a goot, I believe. A, mm. a goot is That's, the that sounds, uh, I know the, that word. Yeah, the ritual. Right. Um, the, so it's it's got that like um, it ends with that like s. You know how sometimes when in Korean, yeah, shiot. Yeah, shiot. If you end in shiot, it has a t sound, right? Right. Okay, so it's like a goot, like g o o t kind of uh, pronunciation. And That's uh, those are the rituals that they uh, that they do, but. Uh, I'll, I'll get into the different kinds of rituals uh, a little bit later, but if it's like a full animal, um, it'll be quite expensive. Those are, you know, like a new building or something like that. They might, uh, they might mm. hire a shaman to, uh, to do a, a ritual. So is this, is, is shamanism, the one, the only thing that I've seen really, and I'm sure you guys have seen it as well, is sometimes when a new restaurant opens, I've often seen like a pig's head kind of in front of the restaurant or whatever, I guess, is that? probably part of it? it it could be it very well could be there's so many different features depending on where you are in mm, korea that are fair. like different kinds of shamanism and so i'll go into like the different like how you become a shaman um it's different north of the han river and south of the han river it's actually kind of divided into two and then jeju's got really its whole, even soul jeju has a whole thing going on that's totally different that's just bananas. Huh, like it's so cool. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'll I'll just uh, jump into it here a little bit. And also, uh, some of the uh, origin stories, the myths behind shamanism are really interesting. So, uh, it's prehistoric. A thousand BC is what they what I what I came across in my uh, wow in the literature. Like how long it's been around. It's it's older than maybe Korea itself you know like it there was some form of shamanism before it even whatever we call korea and um it, it had a it had a large influence it's had a huge influence on the culture so much so that even in north korea i think i read a number that even like uh even at this day like 15 to 20 percent of people still practice some form of of shamanism up there um even though i think they they tried to eradicate you know religion from uh the culture in north korea but it's still it still lingers in some respects there in uh, i'm really south curious korea, to know yeah. if there's going to be any um any like long any specific like cultural things that we're going to see because you mentioned that this is really old 
you know, a thousand BCE, like, you know, 3000 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and cause Korea is such a Confucian culture, of course. Yes. And, and obviously that's much more recent. Although I don't know when Confucius was writing actually do either of you guys have any idea on that offhand? More than I don't know. I'd have to look I, I it up. No it's got to be like thousand over a thousand years ago, right? I mean, it's got to yeah. be like. Um, so, so I mean, that's pretty much supplanted shamanism, but shamanism is still out there. So, I'm, I'm curious what even more underlying things in the culture there are. Just well, in here's general here's the thing: see. is that I, shamanism yeah. is kind of it's kind of interesting in the way that, like, I, I the way I kind of um, compared it was was to kind of think of it like almost like a language, you know. Um, mm. like like a, la a language will not be like English is not the same modern English is not the same as old English right like there's right. It, it has this, this metamorphosis where it just changes I think shamanism is is some people will call it a primitive language I actually think it's it's uh I, I wouldn't use the word primitive to describe it I actually think it's quite um it's quite interesting and relevant to the culture in that I think it kind of absorbed some of like Confucian uh, practices or thoughts and Buddhism and it, it, it kind of uh, moves with the culture. So it was it's actually something same... else that I was curious about is how connected it is with Buddhism itself, because it seems to have some connections with with the rites with buddhist things here absolutely but. because they what a shaman is and i'll i'll just get into this a little bit here um so let's start at the beginning so you have uh let, let's uh define uh terms here a little bit so uh musok is what i'm going to use to describe shamanism that uh now a musok in is a shaman um but there's another name that i think is more common and a more modern name which is mudam mudam Mudang. Mudang, Mudang. Yeah. So a Mudang is a, is a female shaman. And I believe a Sana Mudang is a male shaman. One video that I saw, actually, it was with a male shaman and they were only using the word Mudang with him. So okay. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think I, for all for all intents and purposes, I think we can just say Mudang is a shaman and Musok is shamanism. We'll use that as like mm. the, the the religious practice. And the, the practice is that it believes that there is a spirit in it's it's animistic religion. So there's a spirit in everything like uh, a rock, an animal, a tree, a mountain. They all have their own. They all have spirits. And uh, what a what a, uh, a shaman is, is uh, basically an intermediary between the spirit world and the earthly world. And uh, now the where I would say it probably connects with Buddhism is that a shaman, and now there's a couple of different types of musok uh, practice, but we'll start with the, the first one, which is, uh, we'll call it, uh, let me see here, nadim, uh, a nadim mudang. Uh, uh, so nadim is the, uh, if you go north of the Han River, this is the, uh, a nadim mudang is somebody who uh, received a message from the spirit's world and became sick. And the sickness is called Shinbyong. It's like the divine sickness or spiritual sickness where they actually become ill and they need to participate in a ritual where after that, when that ritual is performed, this person now becomes a mudang. 
So yeah, and this this actually is like the only thing I know about this topic. What you're talking yes. about right now, yeah. Because in the hour before the podcast, I was having dinner with my girlfriend, and I said, "Hey, we're talking about shamanism. You know, I, I'm interested in in Buddhism and and religion and and these things, and I've spent a little bit of time with it, but I don't know anything specifically about this. But I know like your mother does things with shamanism. I know she also uh, has some practices i guess you call it more than a belief it's more of a practice mm -hmm. uh, exactly it's that are not not strictly buddhist and so i had asked her if she could enlighten me in anything and that's the one thing she thought was the most interesting she's like you probably don't know about the uh shinerim and mudang like dynamics so and this is not like just uh what jack's describing isn't just some esoteric historical thing like um this is like contemporary Koreans, like young people. This is, it's not, this is not uh, lost. So the way she described uh, it was that. Brian, you just said shinnerim. Uh, yeah, but we hadn't defined that yet. And I had to look it up. That's a possessed shaman. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. the, the way, this is just what she told me. So shinnerim, she refers to as like the spirit. So you might be getting like a definition, I don't know from where, but the way she just described it was mudang is the the shaman and you don't know that you're a shaman you don't decide you want to be one you're not right. born one it's not a caste thing it's it happens to you so the shinerim is the spirit that is coming to you so you basically you find that you could be a medium and exactly. you can reject it you can reject it which obviously would be somewhat popular thing to do as popular as accepting it and she was describing a friend who has rejected it and has to go to the sauna routinely because her friend gets sick routinely. Mm. Um, and this is what they attribute it to. Uh, um, another, another acquaintance was like the opposite. He, in a very early age, I think he was eight or nine years old, he had the Shinerim experience and he laid into it. So he spent uh, his early childhood studying the, the studying rituals. the methodology yeah. and the history of ritual. Mm -hmm. And now he's a mudang, and he's very um, committed, and he's very respected. Um, that, that's 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 the beginning, and the end of everything that I know. Is that, that, that well? Segment. No, that's a, that's awesome. That's that's exactly what I was was going to talk about because I, I, Shin Myung could be probably uh, translated to like divine light. So imagine there's like a spirit, a divine light that has basically entered the mudang's body before they know they're mudang. It's like you're a Jedi, you know. It's like you don't know. You haven't had the training, you don't know, but you just get the, the Shinbyang, which is like the message, the signal, and then mm -hmm. you have to answer it, or you could reject it, I, like your friend, uh, or a uh, friend of your, uh, of your girlfriend, who so just said, I'm not going to do this, or I'm not ready yet, or mm -hmm. is this really Shinbyang? Like, you know, like that, that's the question that the Mudang has to answer. In the case of the article that I read, there was an interview with a woman, um, I can't remember what her name is, but she was a Mudang, and uh, she felt the Shinbyang, but nobody believed her. So it was like, so it took her some time to find a mudang that was willing to perform the ritual, the gut, that would accept her into the mudang world. So it also works the other way where, you know, people are being pushed in and some people are being, you know, believe they're being called to do it. But actually, um, you have to find a mudang that will say, yeah, that's Shinbyang. Because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, some of them are like, no, I don't think that is. I think you're just, uh, you're sick or, you know, I don't know. Um, 
But uh, I, the other thing I remember uh, seeing, which was kind of disturbing, was there was like a documentary. Oh, actually, there was like a, a Korean, like a, a I want to call it reality TV show, but it wasn't like a contest or a competition or anything. Um, but it was like they these people were possessed. And so they would s- send a, 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 a camera crew to somebody's house. And then the shaman would uh, perform a kind of ritual exorcism. Now, this was like a pretty popular show, like maybe 10 or 15 years ago on Korean TV. Um, but I always felt uneasy about it um, because I felt like you're, you, ha- you have a person who is mentally ill and your solution for it is this metaphysical ritual. And I was just like, that person needs to be in a mental hospital. They're clearly schizophrenic or something. So I always had like a, you know, kind of a weird feeling about shamanism. Now I still feel that way. Like, I still feel like I hope those people got some like psychiatric help on top of the shaman, uh, you know, intervention. Um, but it, 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 I, I think I've opened up a little bit after doing a little research here. So um, I, I'm not such a, a cynic when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, and I'll, t- I'll tell you why, because uh, as I look through some of these things, I started to see some religious patterns that, that kind of apply to uh, our Western, uh, uh, you know, uh, Christianity and, and maybe uh, some other religions as well. And so uh, anyway, the, the one that you're talking about, the uh, Nadim uh, Mudang, is, would be the northern province, northern Gyeonggi, Seoul, and going into Pyongyang. That was historically the, the area. And that's where most of the Mudang are in Seoul now. And so when we think of Mudang, we think of like country, you know, and, and, and country folk. But actually, there's, they just came to Seoul because that's where the people are. That's where you can, you know. So I guess that would make people. sense, right? Yeah. It's a, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, that, I never thought about that, but that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, yeah, you often associate like the mystics as like, you know, the monk on the on the mountain, but it makes a lot more sense. Big beard. In the urban, yeah, right. But it makes a lot more sense because it's a service. Yeah. And back in the yeah. old days, you know, you would have traveled out to the outskirts of town to visit the shaman. Probably the mudang probably lived, you know, a little bit outside of the, I don't know, the hamlet or whatever. Um, but they... Historically, in Korea, the people, they needed the, the shaman because the shaman is the person that blesses your little uh, enclave, your little community um, in, you know, in the past. So are we going to have a good harvest? Well, you better have the shaman perform the ritualistic gut to, that will bring a bounty of har- you know, bountiful harvest. And so those are the, the kinds of things that the shaman would perform. So a shaman was... Um, considered low on the social hierarchy if you're talking about just but but respected kind of behind the i don't want to say like underground like even the king and the queen would have a shaman would visit the shaman but their status in the society was very low almost to the bottom uh of the of the hierarchy so it's a it's a it's always been a very strange relationship with i think i've seen that with other shaman type religion religions elsewhere where because like shamanism it's not like an official religion right right and it's it's not the same way as like the religion it's not the religion that the king and queen or most of the people practice so it's like everyone has their own religion buddhism or whatever it happens to be and then there's the shaman and and they're kind of like extra and and it's like that's not our religion but we still trust in it we still believe in it we still need them 
I think that's kind of funny because it's, it's like, um, I, you know, I've got my main religion, but if the shit hits the fan, I'm going to the shaman. Like I, you got to hedge your bets. I'm in a pickle. There's a lot of gods the, out there. If you look across, I, I don't know, I don't know a ton about um, religion and theology, but if you if you look at when I look at the development of religions in the world, like if you guys read, I mean, I'm I'm pulling this from like Yuval Harari. Do you know this guy? Sapiens. oh yeah yeah sure okay and all this stuff. okay like <clears throat> one part of that and one like like one part bill bryce and like you know these books that like these sweeping um stories about the history of humans if you look at like where um animism shamanism and where this develops it's like religion and spirituality was very personal individual and then organized religion it's a totally different thing totally different. and so cultures and they didn't happen it didn't happen in a linear fashion I mean, it would seem so because we think of one as older, <clears throat> one as newer, but, and they are, but it's not linear, like across the world. So <clears throat> like when Buddhism came to Korea, it's pretty young compared to Buddhism, like in Sri Lanka. So when it arrived, there were other spiritual practices that were happening. They were very vibrant and one didn't supplant the other. They had no problem blending the two. And actually, this is just anecdotal, my experience. But one thing I noticed when I came here, I was surprised at how blended um, Christianity yes. was here. This is what that I'm really impressed me. Yes. Uh, coming yeah. from you know North you know, Northern Wisconsin, uh, Catholic hub, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I know it's exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. There, there's like not a big argument about this subject. It's like yeah, like my parents are Buddhist. I'm Catholic. So what? And you know, I go to the temple, and at the same time, I'll go to church on Sunday. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's not just I'm doing it to like please mom and dad. I'm actually bowing and praying. I'm still going to and church. And I, I think there's still some I'm conservative still... Christians. I think Buddhists are more are, are a little bit more open to that, like the, to mm. mixing and matching. Um, but it mm. depends on the type of Christianity, I think, too. I think I, for well, the most part, yeah, some draw yeah. lines, and especially sure. like younger people are just more uh, liberal and, and open minded than older generations. Um, th this was really interesting. It says, uh, I, I pulled this quote straight from the guy, the interview. Shamanism is not an organized religion per se, and some view it as primitive. He puts that in quotations. So a lot of people don't take it seriously in Korea. Uh, he says, but to me, the lack of hierarchy makes it even more legitimate. Um, he says, uh, I think most people worldwide, especially younger generations, have very little interest in religion because of its associations with power, repression, and so on. But I think that is a huge clue into why this has endured so long is because it doesn't, it's not institutionalized. It's not, there's no, it hasn't been codified in, in written word. It's, it's an orally uh, passed on from generation to generation. In fact, uh, that was, that has been criticized. Um, but it, the Mudang, the lady that they were interviewing, she says that um, every ritual should be different and should be flexible and modified according to the needs of the client. Um, and she says, I think they see their role as someone who establishes or restores balance to people's lives. So they're, they're focused on just helping people, but they're not worried about like, oh, the, the ritual must be exactly the same as it was when my parents you did it. And, and so that kind of- That's really interesting. Next, uh, yeah. I, um, I can so really see how that would, would help its longevity as a religion as well, because 
I mean, as we know with so many other religions, you know, like they borrow from here and there to to keep it up with the times. Well, this is just constantly keeping up with the times, right? They're just exactly. trying to exactly. That's everything. how I see it. I, I so malleable and so uh it, like I said, it's able to incorporate Buddhism right into it. Because how do you incorporate Buddhism into it? The the woman that was interviewed in the article that I read, the the Mudang she inhabits one of her main spirits that she goes to one of her primary sources of of uh of, of information is an ancient chinese monk uh a buddhist monk so the she becomes the monk he the monk enters her body her physical mannerisms change her voice changes she becomes this other person um i'm i i hate to I don't want to diminish it by making this comparison but if you've seen the movie ghost remember when Whoopi goldberg you know, they, they jump inside of her. I mean, th- this is the That's same kind of, I'm sorry. That was a terrible, I shouldn't even <laughs> mention that. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't, I'm saying I don't remember so long ago. Oh, like, oh I, yeah. That movie, my movie references from the eighties, but uh, yeah. anyway, like, uh, you know, like the, the, so that's the interesting thing about the, uh, the, the Northern shamanism, we'll call it North of the Han river. Now, if you go South of the Han river, you have a different type of, uh, of uh, shamanism. And this is uh, believe they call it Dongle. Uh, let me just make sure I got this right here. Um, I, I, I put it in here. Uh, let's see here. Dangol type shamanism. And I, I typed it into the translator. Dangol translates to regular Korean, which was interesting because this is what this type of shamanism Dangol? is Dangol? hereditary. This is like your uncle decide you you decide you want to become a mudang and so your uncle is a mudang and your uncle trains you to become one so it, it comes through family uh relationships my grandmother is a mudang so now she's training me her granddaughter. my mother didn't want to be one okay no problem but i want to be one my grandmother trains me and i become a mudang and all right so that's really different from what my my girlfriend just told me over dinner it's totally yes. different this is yeah. a, this is okay. the second kind this is the dongle type of of uh shamanism which is uh yeah gangwan uh gyeongsang chungchan and jola those provinces practice a this type of shamanism and these shamans are not magical they do not uh possess the they, they're not they do not become possessed by the spirit of an ancient monk or anything they what they do is they're priests essentially they're still intermediaries but the same way like a, a catholic priest is a intermediary um the the catholic priest is i don't become you know another person i'm still just a priest but i have studied this religion and i'm you know in and i know the i know the rituals and so essentially you learn the rituals and so you learn a ritual for the harvest and so after years of training, you, you're mudang and you're able to perform this ritual, this gut for a good harvest. Or somebody comes to you and says, um, my, my daughter's out of control, you know, like, uh, what can I do? Ah, I have the perfect ritual for you. This is what we need to do. And so you, you're an expert, essentially. You're a priest. You're a theologian of the shamanistic religion. But, you're, but it's very, um, it's not global. It's very, uh, it, it's very, uh, how can I say it? Um, personalized. It's very, it's it, like to the, to the little town, the region or the hamlet. So if you go to another town, there'll be another mudang who might have a slightly different ritual. And so it's not, so it's very much passed down from family. And, and it's, it's about this, this, uh, the old village. And so, 
Uh, it's all very relevant to, you know how they say like all politics are local, all dongle type shamanism is local. It's, it's about the, it's, it's relevant only to the people in this local area, this little hamlet, this enclave where uh, these people live. And so I can see that like uh, dongle type shamanism is kind of being usurped by the, the soul version because that's the, I mean, if we, if you want to say, I mean, it's, it's kind of the sexier version of, of shamanism, right? Cause you're actually just, like, you know, also just look, if we look at just practicality wise, that seems like it would be become harder to control as your small hamlets become metropolises. Exactly. Right. Because right? What's like, the... you, don't, you don't have a neighborhood shaman when your neighborhood is an apartment block of 50,000 people. And there's another one, like it's harder to have that personalized. Like this is our town's shaman anymore so it right. makes sense to have the more more general northern so, shaman jack did did you read about any of the rituals in in particular oh yeah i've uh, there are maybe four or five that i'll talk <laughs> He's about ready. i just yeah, yeah i just wanted to uh to hit the i first i just wanted to let people oh, know slow, man. this is awesome yeah, that was there's a great two, start. two different types of uh actually there's another so there's one more type and i think this is we'll talk about jeju because i don't want to leave jeju out yeah um yeah. So Jeju yeah. uh, uh, shamanism is called Shimbang type. And the Shimbang type of, of, of shamanism is uh, associated with a specific set of gods, but they're through these like uh, these tools, the implements, the, these like uh, discs and these. The, so basically the shaman, again, is not inhabiting the spirit of anybody. The spirits of those uh, gods are in the objects, these tools that are passed down and um, given to the shaman. And so, and you, only you know how to use these tools correctly in a ritual, in a goot, that's going to have the desired effect. And so there's- All like of the these, artifacts. Right, for, for so there, there are these, these like amazing artifacts. I don't know if they can, I couldn't find anything about like whether they can make new ones or whether the they're already created and passed down. But I think that the ability to make new uh, implements new new uh, uh, it must be it has to be possible because yeah because yeah, because then there'd be like a finite set of tools and everybody be fighting for collecting all of them like you know uh, like like baseball cards and I'm the king shaman I have all the tools and there are no more tools so I think they can be they can be created but they but the but the the god the spirit is is held inside the tools and the shaman knows how to use the tools. And so that's the Jeju version of shamanism, that which one, is really cool. I, I'd love to know a little bit more. I, I know this is something that we, we, you probably don't know and it would take a lot of getting into, but that idea of creating new tools, I, I'd love to, I'm curious how that has changed. How the, right, I'm like is how the it tools like a USB changed. drive or something? Or, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what I was I, thinking. Yeah, like in the past, it was, you know, like a, a, a sift for, you know, or a, a fishing something or you know whatever different implements and these days it's you know your 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 smartphone or usb I, or... I don't think so i think that they're i think they would probably be kind of like little you know like you, you wouldn't know what it what it is right it'd be like a like a wooden disc or something with some kind of uh you know writing on it um so and... are they were, were the the tools in this are they are they tools, things that people used? No, like no, no, no. Gardening they're, tools? These, I'm, uh, I'm using tools. I'm saying they're tools for a religious, like, okay. they're objects. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And uh, so, okay. Yeah. And, and so, and there's, there, any... there's a name for it, too. It's called Mengdu. Mengdu uh, Meng, is the name of the, uh, the way they spelled it in English is M-E-N-G-D-U. 
um, but these are like sacred ritual implements and the shamans are uh, the, the, the gods are embodied in these, uh, these tools. And uh, so the, shim the Shimbang's uh, task is to understand the divine message conveyed by their Mengdu and to use the Mengdu to worship the gods. So they worship the gods using these tools, but they also have to be able to read the tools. So maybe it's like a bundle of sticks that you'd throw and like whether, how the sticks fall that might give you some information. Mm -hmm. um, that's my okay, guess, okay. Uh, but I didn't- I've seen these. I've seen these outside of Jeju. It's, I'm just looking right now online. Um, it's, this isn't only, it is like saying that it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely this whole, this whole article is all about it being in Jeju, but I've seen this mm -hmm. here on the peninsula as well. Oh, I, I guarantee it now because of, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, 300 years ago, it was, it, it didn't, things didn't move at the rate, but now, but now, you know, the, 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 the country is so you can go to Jeju in 45 minutes. I, I, of course, I, I bet you could find Jeju Mudang, you know, Shimbang Mudang uh, here in Seoul. You could find the, you know, the Southern, uh, the Dongol type uh, up here in Seoul, I, I think. But my understanding is that the, the, the Seoul, the native Mudang is the one that's kind of most people are familiar with, at least uh, just because I think uh, because that's the most prominent type of, of shamanism in Seoul. And I think it's probably the most, it's the most spiritual of it because of the, you know, it's most interesting because the shaman actually becomes possessed. And so I found something really interesting and I wanted to share it with you. The, the person, like in the interview that I read, the woman, uh, her, her primary uh, spirit was this uh, Chinese monk, this ancient Chinese monk. But she said that in the interview that she was also visited by Jesus Christ. So she turned down Jesus and and uh, took a uh, sorry about that took a uh, took the the Chinese the ancient Chinese monk. And so uh, when when these uh, spirits inhabit the the shaman, the shaman actually changes their like I said their their physical mannerisms and their voice and everything. And they're even one shot, like there's one example of, of because uh, Douglas MacArthur was the general who stormed Inchon during the Korean War. Right, right. They've even inhabited General MacArthur's as a, they've even, some shaman have taken, Mudang have taken General MacArthur as the spirit guide, essentially, the primary I mean, it, spirit. That actually kind of makes sense. It makes sense that they would turn down Jesus um for yeah, sure. yeah. i mean because it, it's you know just connecting with your audience right right yeah, and yeah and and the same thing with macarthur macarthur is is like a modern day korean hero here like like almost like, it's to... like a version of sainthood almost right like what i mean that that would be like the it, shamanistic right. version of sainthood right i'm going to accept yeah, him if, as my he's worth yeah exactly it, it's someone that's that's badass enough and and has enough sway and power yeah. that that inhabiting this person or this spirit is uh but is, i my my i'm wondering like useful. if you if if the uh if my mudang is uh has chosen douglas macarthur as uh his or her is her primary um spirit does he speak english like douglas is yeah, he I like was, i got a message I was wondering that as well. yeah like uh <laughs> harry truman sent me a message direct line you know telegram don't 
don't buy a green car. That's your, you know, and that's the kind of like the, the, the kind of uh, practical information that a, that a mudang would give to you uh, in the interview that I was reading. The guy, the, the mudang that he visits keeps telling him, don't buy, don't buy a blue car. Just don't buy a blue, car. A blue that's, car. That's not, yeah, blue car, not for you. And so he's, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll take that information with me. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting how like uh, kind of small the, 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 the advice is and how, how, how specific it is or how precise, like don't buy a blue car, you know? I just I found one of the common that might be interesting that... to both you guys. Like, you know, when you're walking around the city or anywhere in Korea and you see buildings that have like, you know, the swastika that's usually associated here with like Buddhism or, you know, Usually that's what we say. We think it's like either, a, 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 you know, it's the derivative of like Hinduism that went to Buddhism. It's a symbol. We it's see, a reverse it's a swastika. swastika, right? Yeah. So yeah. you see this everywhere. Like in my neighborhood downstairs, I can walk through the market and there's like a little building and it's got a swastika on it. Everybody, everybody, everybody's always told me that's like, maybe it's just my interpretation. Maybe they told me it was a spiritual place or something like this. What do you think that is? What do you think goes on in there? I thought it was like Buddhists. Oh, is that a mudang? Is that the yeah? Is that the that, that's a, it's called a manja. Is is the symbol as it's as it's related? I mean, I'm just looking. This is Wikipedia. Ten seconds. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even see but that. What I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. What it's. What I'm. I think I'm learning is that when we see that on the streets here, that's a, called a manja, and that's indicative of that being a shamanic facility. That's not Buddhist. Oh, okay, okay. I was. I always took that's those kind of an eye opener. That's true. I always thought it was Buddhist. Yeah. yeah. Again, this is just one off. Me. Ten seconds looking at um, Google. But yeah, it, it really those makes wonder because when you yeah. see those buildings, you don't see you do not see necessarily other Buddhist iconography. No, you don't see you don't see a Dhamma wheel. You don't see any any other iconography. It's always just just the swastika. I wonder if it's more prevalent than we think because that's everywhere. Every neighborhood yes. has like a little shack in the village or somewhere. And you know, you, I mean, there's probably like five of them right here in Huang. This is why this is what I think is that I think even like in polite conversation, uh, some some Korean people would deny uh, believing in it. But then secretly they might go and, and seek the counsel of a, a mudang uh, because it's, I think it's so strongly ingrained in the culture. Right. It's been around for so long. You know, even like Christ, even like Korean Christianity, you know, how sometimes like the the uh, you, you'll get these kind of more culty kind of like. Uh, I don't know, like extensions of, of, of main Protestantism here. And so uh, a lot of times those guys will be like, yeah, I'm in, I inhabit or uh, in the spirit of Jesus is, is me. I'm, I'm Jesus Christ or whatever. Like, I think that's Mudang. Like that's, that's where it comes from. That influence of like the spirit has entered me. I am now the vessel to you, my, you know, uh, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't I don't think it's only about spirits coming in, though, because I think one of the really common things that people go to to, to the mudangs for is name changes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that's it's a really small and you're, they're not probably not calling in a spirit for a name change. So I, I don't I, I would assume that although although calling in a spirit is one of the things they do, I don't think that they, they do that all the time. Like people just go in just to be like, yo, can you tell me my fortune? Yes. Right. Uh, that's, that's, that's one true. of the big things that people do. It's just fortune tellers. And like, my name is wrong. Like my name doesn't match my fortune or doesn't match my fate. And they give you a new name. Like that's one of the common things that, that they do. And on like a daily basis, probably. Yeah. It, because I, I, like, I want to back up yeah. just one real, real quick there. Cause the, there was a comment you made and I think it's, it's relative. It's, it's uh, worth discussing. Like the idea of, you know, we're, we're three foreigners here talking about, Koreans living in Korea and right. 
I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that Koreans are shy to talk about the shamanism, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I also think there's a lot of blending going on. And there is in all religions. Like, I mean, I grew up Catholic, right? Kev, mm-hmm. you grew up Catholic as well. Um, so if you, if you think about um, the saints. I was an altar really, boy for, for a little while. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. So like all the saints are really prevalent in Catholicism, right? So the, the feast saints. Feast days. I used to get money on my feast days. Yeah, right. But I mean, those, the feast days, I mean, aren't those like derivatives of, you know, the pantheon of, of gods? You know, it's, it's kind of like the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. we just, we needed to have those same, you know, it, it is. Well, you like know, Amer- exactly. American Protestantism, I find is, is radically individualistic. It's about yeah. personal salvation, right? Which is like, I think that's a very American, right. you know, capitalist kind of, uh, but I, I don't, I'm not getting into that but yeah what the example I was trying to make is that I think the blending is is so uh, it's such a standard that we don't think about it as a separate thing like one of my favorite things like I, I'm very interested in Buddhism in general in meditation and the history from which Vipassana meditation comes from it's been something I've been digging into for just the last like three four years and um, so I've made some pilgrimages to um, Sri Lanka and um, I've done retreats here. And when you're looking at Buddhism in Sri Lanka or India, you can see, uh, or Myanmar, you can see something that more closely represents the origin of it. You can, you can see it's, it's I don't want to call it more pure, but when things travel, ideas travel, they're going to pick up and develop and work with what's there. They're not always just going to supplant it. They don't always just burn shit down and then build something no, new. I, and I, I love I it in Korea. Yeah. yeah, in Korea, one of my favorite examples, I think I've said in the podcast before, is when you go to temples here, usually usually not in the main Dhamma Hall, but in one of the buildings uh, one of the, on the, in the temple area, I think damn near every temple I've been to has this painting. You're gonna find behind the altar or painted on the side with the, the stories, the out, like the allegories, what they call that. Uh, you'll see the guy with the white beard. It's the you know the king of the mountain, the king of the mountain. Right. Okay. King of the mountain. Let's, right. let's think of how 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 non-Buddhist this is. Okay, this guy, right. he's yeah. the spirit of the mountain. He looks like the wise man on the top of the hill. He has long, white, beautiful beard. He rides a tiger. All right. So he gets on a tiger like a horse and he rides a tiger. So you can find paintings of him sometimes behind the altar. He's on the tiger. Usually the tiger is next to him in there, but you'll see the paintings on the side. It shows him in action. He's actually galloping along on top of the tiger. What the heck does that have to do with like what you think about when you think about Buddhism? Right. Like, who is that guy? Why is he even featured here? And then when you look in the temples in Korea, there's so many other um, people featured. Uh, the dude behind me here, um, Dalma, uh, really popular character which could have, we have a whole episode on him as well but there's um there's more going on than just like buddha equals buddhism oh and sure so, right right yeah so i wonder if it's not so much that like if you ask a korean like i'm just like i said this thing i saw here with like the swastika indicating that it's shamanism going on in these my neighborhood here i wonder if it's not so much that i've been misled it's just, it's assumed. It's like people are telling me it's Buddhist or it's, it's religion. It's uh, it's spiritual. It's mm-hmm, uh, Buddhist. Mm-hmm. It's, well, you know, it's like this, you know, it's, right. it's dismissive. It's just like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. It's that, it's religious thing. Chill out, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I think maybe more like this. 
Like, right. No, I, I think that's that. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I would. I would. Because I, I, I heard this quote somewhere. It's like uh, culture eats ideology for lunch. Right. So you have this like you have this this religion, this ideology, but the culture is going to destroy it. You know, whatever. It's not going to it's not going to be you're not going to maintain it in its you know purest form. Um, and and I, th- I don't think they even try in shamanism. They, don't, they didn't they didn't codify any of this in written language. So what they have are these these oral stories that they pass down from generation to generation. So um, if you guys would indulge me, I would like to tell yes. you a little bit about yeah, these. Yeah. Uh, sto- so here's the main the main story. Um, this is for the uh, I, I guess we'll we'll say like the uh, Nadim uh, Mudang, um, the princess body narrative. This is like a really uh, important narrative. This is basically like their Bible, but it's but they don't write it down. They just pass it on. So there's different variations of the story, but you have a uh, you have Princess Bari, who is uh, usually identified as the patron goddess of the shamans. Uh, she is also referred to as the conductor of the souls of the dead, uh, or the goddess of the Big Dipper. So that's uh, these are some of her her titles. So she's. She's a big deal in the the in shamanistic religion. They would have to be familiar with the story of Princess uh, Bari, and uh, so the story kind of goes like this: It's a uh, a queen gives birth to six daughters in a row, and uh, then she has a what they uh, in they they call it an auspicious dream. So she has like a, a a good fortune dream or whatever. So she thinks number seven. I got my son, I give the king, uh, you know, the prince, um, but it's a daughter. Boom, seven in a row. They, the, the king and the queen are pissed off. They say, get rid of that, that girl, throw her out. And so body actually means to throw away. Is that right, Kevin? I, we need like a, uh, some ba- body. Like the Barita, Barita, body. Yeah. Um, I the verb be... for throw away is... Oh, body, body. Sorry, King Princess Body. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm pronouncing it wrong. I said body, body. I'm sorry. That's my uh, my mistake. Sorry about that. Um, lack of Korean uh, pronunciation skills here. But uh, Queen uh, Princess Body. Yes. Uh, and body, body does to throw away, and so she's named as the throwaway uh, baby. And uh, I just wonder, does that? Uh, ring any bells for your 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 uh, catholic uh selves there old you know old testament biblical stories uh baby moses yeah things tend to repeat huh yeah throw uh right down or uh joseph uh you know the the brother that they got rid of they threw him away um so i'm starting to see some patterns emerge here um, so anyway, the girl is rescued by a, like a Buddha-like figure. So in this case, now the religion of Buddhism is, is influencing shamanism because Buddha is even in the story as like, I, probably pre-Buddhism, it was like a god. And then it just became Buddha as the person who rescued her. Um, and mm. uh, Over time, the, the rescuer changed probably right exactly so the rescuer like because so you can see how like like buddhism gets infused into uh into the story um so uh body uh grows up and uh she finds out that her parents are uh gravely ill and they need uh something called the water from the western heaven and in order to get uh the water from the western heaven 
Um, obviously, if you go back to, you know, uh, Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey, she's got to go through this, you know, uh, horrible, you know, uh, you know, set of circumstances. So anyway, uh, she's swimming and, and uh, Buddha says, you know, do you think you could swim another 3000 leagues or whatever, you know, some ridiculous amount uh, of uh, distance. And she's, and Princess Body says, I will swim until I die. You know, I, I will, I will not stop to save my parents, even though they threw her away. They, uh, you know, the, the king and the queen. So, uh, um, so anyway, uh, Buddha gives her like a special Lotus and, uh, guess what happens? This is uh, straight out of the old Testament parting of the red sea. Boom. The, the, the water goes right up and she's got a beeline straight to the magic, uh, flower and the magic, uh, uh water that she needs to bring back and, and heal her parents. Um, body gets there. Of course, there's a, uh, a monster. Uh, protecting the thing that she needs, but she she says, "Hey, uh, I, you probably want some sons." And he, the monster's like, "Yes, I do." So she gives him some sons, and uh, the monster gives her a special flower and the and the west the western heaven water, and she returns back, but she's too late. Her parents are dead. She gives and her giving parents, sons takes a long time. She opens the co- the she opens the coffins and she gives them the flowers. They come back to life. She makes them drink the water and she saves them. And so this is the this is the story. This is the hero's journey of the the outcast who actually becomes the hero. Um, I might have forgot to mention this, but the six sisters before her, uh, the queen asked them to go. The king and queen said, "You go," and they all said, "No." Only body is the only one that was willing to to take the journey. And so that, you know, this is the myth of, uh, this is like the, the uh, you know, the kind of the, the scriptures of shamanism is what they, they uh, anyway, that, that's the uh, princess body uh, narrative. Um, on Jeju, you've got the Chogong Bonpuri, which is a different story. It's a, a totally different uh, uh, narrative. And uh, I'll, do, I'll just give you like the really short uh, version of this. It's essentially these uh, old, cu- this old couple cannot have children. Um, and suddenly when they're like 50, they have a, a daughter. And so, uh, it's, and so that made me remember like my, you know, Bible, you know, bi- uh, Sunday school and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Abraham and Sarah story. They couldn't have children and they were like 150 years old and they, they still couldn't have children. So anyway. I, there's these, a lot of these like uh, connections that I made here. Um, essentially, what happens is uh, they have to go on a trip. They lock uh, the the daughter in a uh, in a uh, in a room, and uh, she's wearing a, a chastity veil. And uh, this monk comes by, liberates her, frees her. She goes off. Uh, she gives birth to three sons. Uh, these sons become servants for aristocrats. The aristocrats all go to Seoul to take the big test to become civil servants, and they all fail, but the three sons pass the test. So they actually uh, get certified, which angers the aristocrats. And so the three sons go off to meet the father who tells them that they will become mudang, and he gives them these tools, and that's how the Jeju uh, tool-based uh, Shimbang uh, Mudang uh, started. So 
there's like there's a whole story, a different backstory that's the most important for uh, Mudang in in Jeju. And so I know this one; these, these stories are getting a little bit uh, long on the vine here. So I'll try to. Uh, uh, that's great, man! I'm loving it. it. But uh, yeah, so that's like the uh, that was the uh, the Chong uh, Chogong uh, Bon Puri, and then we have the Gongshim which is a, uh, this was a, a legendary uh, Goryeo dynasty princess who was struck with Shinbyang. She got sick. She became a, a very famous shaman. So uh, there, there was a, a, a very famous uh, 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 female shaman out of the Goryeo uh, dynasty. And um, there's, there, this one is really interesting to me because I, again, this is like, it smacks of like, like yuna like uh mono religion you know like um it's it's uh the the myth of dangun is uh this myth oh, i know that belief. do you know that like the god would come from heaven and this would result in the earth and heaven being unified and god and human beings would be unified as well and so that's you know this is straight out of like the new testament type of stuff you know or old the, testament the, the dangun thing is interesting there's actually a um so when I first came to Korea, if you remember back to episode one, when we were talking about, you know, how we got involved in coming here, mm-hmm. um, I worked for a, uh, the, my first hogwon that I worked at here, they sent kids to a camp in Sedona, Arizona. And um, because the, the, the hogwon is kind of weird, it, it had some like culty things connected to it. But like the leader of that hogwon slash mini cult thing, um, he basically said that Don Gun was like, connected or resurrected or something in Sedona because Sedona is a very spiritual oh. place for a lot of new agey type people in the States as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, actually they, uh, Sedona is apparently a place where there's some Korean shamans who think that, that even Arizona has, has some influence there. Or something <laughs> like that. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. That is fascinating. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I it doesn't surprise me uh, for, just from the research I did that, that, you know, it doesn't, that they can, you can, you can create this, you know, this religion can, is, is so malleable. And that's why I think that primitive is the wrong word for it, because actually to me, um, religion that is able to endure for so long with an oral history and not codify things in, uh, you know, written word is actually more sophisticated uh, in, in many ways, um, the way I see it, at least they, they like right. Wudong seem very relaxed, very, you know, they're not, it doesn't seem to be a very judgmental. It's not, yeah, you know. If, if it is, well, a couple of benefits it has for longevity too, when you think about it, it doesn't have some hierarchical structure where like uh, Mudang is uh, a network that's trying to, it has an agenda to push. There's not much you can really criticize as long as it doesn't cause any individual harm. Or it's not making people like, you know, drink bleach or anything like this. The, it kind of functions as therapy. It's individualized. Yes. It's, it's a counselor. Um, you know, at the very least, it's someone to listen. Yep. Uh, and, you know, society is always going to need that. We've, we've transformed that into a million different forms uh, to the point of now, you know, psychotherapy, right? So why not? As long as it's not, um, as long as, I'm not making a judgment on it. I am making no judgment. I'm saying as long as society sees no net harm and it has no agenda, it's going to just kind of persist because people need someone to talk to. It's the thing. That's great. Yeah. Because, because the, the shaman that, that they interviewed, the, the one that I read, uh, she said, you know, it's not a, it's not a substitute for Western medicine. They're not going to say, come and see the shaman 
and now you don't need to go to the doctor. They would say, you need to go to the doctor. Western medicine is okay, but we can also do a ritual or we can have a conversation. I can give you some advice. It's a, it doesn't always have to be a goot. A goot is like yeah. a big ordeal, but they're right. also, she, this woman said, well, you know, sometimes somebody comes in and says, I want to, I want a goot. And she says, no, you don't, you don't want to spend that much money on it. You, you want to just, let's go to the mountain. Let's talk. You know, you mm -hmm. just want, you just need counsel. And so that right. is exactly what they're there for. Yeah. And there's also, it also has some kind of interesting, I guess you call it like side effects, like how on a superficial level, because you have something like this persisting, there's certain behaviors that become uh, possible. Like we talked a little bit about this in a previous episode, we were talking about um, body language. We talked about, you know, like the things, things that are different, right? You know, in the West, we shake hands in the East, they bow, you know, like this kind of stuff. So there's other things too that can kind of spill over because of these uh, traditions, these undercurrents. Like um, my girlfriend, unfortunately, went to a funeral uh, a couple months ago. And before I was leaving, she's like, I need a bag of salt. And I, you know, I, I was in the kitchen cooking at the time. I was like, okay, I had no idea. I'm just like tied up the baggie. And it's like, here, get out of here. You know, she takes off. She needed it um, for the funeral. And then when she came back to the house, she rings the doorbell, stays in the doorway, and she hands me the bag of salt. She's like, I need you to throw this at me. And it was just kind of like a little bit of an eye roll. It's like, just, just freaking do it. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, what? Really throw salt at you? She's like, yeah, I'm going to. So I, I took a handful and I throw it like kind of at her face. And she spins around. I throw it at the back of her head. She shakes it out of her hair and she walks in the door. I said, what the heck was that all about? And she said, it's, uh, she goes, it's like, it's nothing. Nah, 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 nah. You know, like this. Like, nah, 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 nah. Just never mind. So, yeah. I'm like, come on. I mean, I'm from, I'm from Wisconsin. Like we don't, we don't do that. <laughs> right. You gotta, you gotta we throw rice at a wedding, you know, maybe a wedding, well, but uh, exactly. We, yeah. we throw rice. I mean, that, that's a different, a different sort of thing. So, right. you know, there's, there's, you know, there's going to be some history for that too. So I, I said, I, I pressed her, I said, you know, what, what was that really all about? And she's like, well, I guess it's like for, um, it's to make sure that I, I don't track ghosts into the house basically. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. just, it wasn't like, you know, it's not like this, this, uh, you know, super dead serious type of thing. It's just sort of like, yeah, that's what we do. That's what I do. That's, yeah. that's, my, that's, you know, that's like, that's just like well, throwing rice. And, and I think it would be, it'd be kind of weird for somebody that maybe, you know, the, 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 the uh, uh, I forget what you call that in Christianity, the what's, what's the communion, like, like eating the cracker and drinking the wine, like you know, transubstantiation, like, right. Or, well, not, communion. not, just, not just communion, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking uh, just, just that, that ritual, you know, the, the liturgy is different. Um, and, but, but the, the meaning is behind it. I think if we're, you know, if we're going to be Buddhist about it, are we looking at the finger pointing at the moon or are we looking at the moon, right? It's like a lot of times we're, we're staring at the finger and we're calling it the moon when the, you know, the, the, the essence behind the, the practice, uh, the liturgy, the ritual or whatever is the important thing, not the actual ritual, because it's probably in another hamlet, it's not salt, it's sugar, or it's, you know, a different you know, depending yeah. on who, which mudang you're, you know, you're, you're, you're right. listening to. And so. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of like the wedding and rice thing. That didn't even occur to me. It, but it, I mean, and it totally, you know, they can say, oh, they're so unrelated. Well, yeah, it's throwing food stuff. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. but, 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 but your point is actually kind of good. It's like, I hadn't really thought of that. If you spend enough time and you think about it, you can trace it back to an experience that you grew up with. You can trace it back and be like, hey, that's not nuts. You know? No, and and also the experience that we're we're living in, by, by doing communion or whatever is traced back to somebody 
who found, you know, uh, essentially had a, a religious moment, epiphany, doing mm. that for the first time. It was like, oh, the first well. time I threw salt in that, you know, and they had, you know, the skies opened up and like, you know, something amazing happened to them and it, it changed their lives, you know, transcendent moment in their lives. That's where these rituals come from, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, slight digression, but it's it's on this point. I think it's worth mentioning. It's one thing that I've 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 uh, found years of, of kind of bumming around, especially the Eastern Hemisphere here, uh, pretty much mostly. Um, when you when you see different religious uh, traditions, um, I've been to uh, both a wedding and funeral in Indonesia. Um, you know, all of us have seen, you know, Lunar New Year celebrated in different, different places. Um, that most, most of the rituals are very much in the same vein as communion. So we have a little piece of bread. We call that the body. We have some wine. We call that blood. All right. We're, we're projecting our own imagination onto this, this thing. And we're doing this as a community and it, it you know, brings us together and we have a spiritual experience because of this. Um, it's contemplative. There's one example I've, I've experienced where it was not like this. And this, this is something, if, you're, if anybody's listening, if you're traveling in the Eastern Hemisphere, I highly recommend this. Um, I think it just passed, is it November? It might be November. Uh, I think it's just after Halloween. It's called Taipusam. You can look it up online, Taipusam. It's a, a Hindu festival that's in Kuala Lumpur, north of Kuala Lumpur in the Batu Caves. Uh, these, this is a blood ritual. This, this was the first time I saw religion with fangs. Like this, this wow. is the, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's a different sort of thing. And that's another way of, of uh, having a religious experience is, um, and it's much more individualistic. So mm -hmm. to tie it back to what we're talking about, when I saw a Taipusam, so picture Taipusam, if you're not going to take the time to look it up, it's real simple to describe. Imagine um, you are an adherent of this faith and you want, you choose to have this meaningful experience. So what you do is you go to a temple in Kuala Lumpur, in the main city. Uh, you begin fasting. I think they fast for 72 hours and they take these big hooks and you've probably seen these pictures. They hook them into their skin and they have like, oh. yeah, they're like a lot of them times they have oranges and stuff hanging on them. Okay. Um, a lot of people have like a, uh, it looks just like an arrow stuck through one cheek and coming out of the other. Yeah, I've um, seen this Literally yeah. blood coming out of their mouths. It is, and they walk. It's like a walk of penance is what it looks like. And they right. walk up Batu Caves, which is a few miles north of the city. And there they pour coconut milk over. It's, this is a long time ago. It was like a decade ago I watched this, but I was not prepared for it. I have one of my friends that I had met there who, who was uh, Malaysian. He's like, Hey, it's Taipusam this weekend. Aren't you going to go and, and you know, join the festivities and watch? And I said, I don't know what that is. He's like, Oh, you're coming. So we went and saw it and it just blew my mind. The reason I'm mentioning this is based is related to what you're talking about, how the, the religious um, ceremony, these things we're doing, they come from, someone having a religious experience yeah. at some point in the body and blood of Christ, it kind of was the body and blood of Christ. And even if, if, you know, you can't like pinpoint the event, I mean, we can, we can talk about what most Christians believe, which is that the body, the, you know, the cracker and the, the juice, it's representing that event that really mm -hmm. happened for Christians. Right. And, you know, they, they, 
there's this belief that really happened and we're just, we're reliving it through that. I wonder if Taipusam is kind of like where those traditions, it's like still those origin moments happening. You know, people are having deeply spiritual experiences and those could become ritualized to the point that we have, um, you know, malas and, you know, crackers and, you know, Jeju, you know, totems and things like this. Right. It's, it's fascinating. It, it's fa- it is. It's totally fascinating. Like, like I guess the, the metaphor would be like, the, the you know, in Christianity, the, the cross is the intersection between the divine and, and the and, and the uh, the mortal, you know, like that's the that's the intersection that we're, we're celebrating um, in on Jeju. Those those items, those ornaments or those totems are the intersection of the spiritual world and the earthly world. I mean, this is all everything we're talking about here is about that is that intersection between the kind of unknown metaphysical and the earthly. And, and so I'm not so sure the vehicle is the important thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like when it comes to the, the, like a real true religious experience. And so that's why this kind of blew my mind open, just studying about this. And uh, you know, um, are you guys interested in uh, the different kinds of gut? If I do it really quickly here? We got a little oh, bit more time, man. I think. We, should, uh, we're, we, could, we could turn this into another like podcast. We I know, another, this another thing has gone on like another channel. This is great. <laughs> I, I was scared this was only going to last like five minutes or twenty minutes or something. <laughs> but, uh, you no, probably yeah. teach an entire university course on this. <laughs> this is yeah, uh, I'm taking it's notes. so fascinating. I just couldn't. Uh, so okay, so there's the the goot rites are uh, can be characterized by rhythmic movement movements, songs, oracles, and prayers. And these rites are meant to create uh, welfare, um, commitment between the spirits and humankind. So if you're having problems, the problem is that there's some uh, spiritual interference, you know, something's out of balance. And so you need to bring uh, your life back into balance. And so if it's a serious problem, we can help you. And so the Natum Gut is the one that I think is if you Google like, you know, Mudang and you see like them wearing the the really um, ornate clothing. And so, mm-hmm. and they wear multiple costumes and the, the, the ritual can go on for, for uh, all day long. And uh, what the, the uh, Mudang is doing is inhabiting the spirit, like we said before, of their primary spirit sources, which could be multiple sources. So, you know, like the, the ancient Chinese monk and another uh, God can enter. And basically uh, what they do is, uh, they will usually argue with the God, like the God is not satisfied. The God's like, your clothes are terrible. Like, that's not good enough for me. Oh, well, this is what you, this is the spread. Like only, you know, blah, 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 bottles of soju. So there's like this dialogue going on. And then Mudang is like apologizing. Oh, I know, I know, I don't pray enough. I know I don't spend enough time. And so finally, after this negotiation goes on and on, is this is this the is this the mudong kind of effectively talking to themselves? Yes, exactly. Right. It's a it's a conversation between the spirit and the mudong, and uh, on on your behalf because uh, we're we're not mudong, so we can't we don't we're not able to inhabit uh, or spirits are not able to inhabit us. So we're this negotiation is going on between the mudong and the spirit. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll even sharpen knives and they'll cut fruit and then they'll dance on the blades of the knives. Like they'll put on the right and not get hurt. I saw something about that really briefly in one of the videos that I was watching as well, but they didn't really go into that part or show it. So I, I... it's messed up, man. Like they, like I don't, somehow they're able to, you know, do this. I mean, I, I would say, is it a trick? 
possibly, probably. Um, I, I'm not saying it's it's magical, but it's it's, it's one illusion. of the ways that they prove to people is like, look, I'm Mudang. I can dance on knives and I won't even cut my feet. So uh, walking they're, they're, on hot coals, you know, in the, you know, the, uh, in, in some, you know, what, like, uh, I don't know, Samoa or something. I mean, isn't, aren't there rituals like that and Pacific yeah, Islanders? Right. Yeah. Like Tahiti yeah. or something. I, you know, I, we've seen it before. Um, but it just reminds me, it's the same thing is like, watch me do this thing where I should hurt myself, but I'm fine. And this is, evidence to you that that i'm actually communing with the gods right now so so that's the uh that's the natim good that's the that's the big one um but there's also the dodang good and dodang good is um a communal right common in central provinces and this one is uh this is for like uh uh yeah i think this one is for like a prosperity in a village so bring our village prosperity and so the mudang will do this in uh, maybe like every year in the spring or in the autumn, in the fall. They'll have a a, a, a dodang gut, a dodang gut. Like around the harvest time, maybe or, exactly. or planting That's what I think. time. Yeah, in spring. yeah. Or or in spring, like this will be a, a great harvest. So, right, right. Exactly. You know, we can summon the, the spirits to bring a good harvest. Sitkim uh, gut, sit sitkim gut, is uh, this is a, a spiritual right. Uh, meant to cleanse the spirit of a deceased person. And so uh, in, uh, the Korean belief is that when somebody dies, their body cannot enter the world of the dead because of an impurity of spirit. And so the Sitkim Gut washes away the impurity. And so if you really believe in this stuff and your relative dies, you're going to cough up the bucks for a, a mudang and say, okay, I'll do this you know, solid for my, my, past, my relative that passed away because I don't want them stuck in you know, what essentially is purgatory or whatever for, you know, uh, millennia or whatever. So you, they perform this right. And, you know, I mean, this, this stuff is not exactly the most original, right? I mean, like, I, I think this, this is, we find this in cultures all over the, the planet. Oh yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. Of course. I think uh, what, what comes to mind is like India and uh, the, the Nile, you know, where they're, they're washing the, the the bodies right if i'm not mistaken or i, I could be wrong about that but uh you know hinduism or, or something like that oh sorry what was it the, the ganges oh ganges yeah, right. thank you thank you Egypt. that's right yeah yes i'm <laughs> i'm on the wrong uh, uh i'm in the neighborhood but that's i'm in the right. wrong area yeah uh thank it's a you. big it's a big river i i had a question i had a question um and i wanted to put it in here uh kevin um there's a question for you because my girlfriend just mentioned this during dinner. One last thing she mentioned, because I, I just asked her, I said, hey, what's interesting about shamanism in Korea that you can like throw at me while we're like eating our beans and rice? And um, she said that, uh, you know- and She then she throws some salt at you instead of throwing the question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, you, you know, like the ancestor worship is a big thing here, of course, like everybody knows yeah, like, course. right. So Kevin, you, you've actually live in a Korean household. So you've actually participated in this with like laying the spread, the food, right? Oh yeah, we go out like every year on, and to celebrate or not celebrate, but to, what's the word for it? Like when just not celebrate, but on, on the, the, the death anniversary of, of grandma and grandpa, we go out to their, to their grave and, you know, take them some drink and, and bow at the grave, yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it's about, really simple, but yeah. What about like Solna? Like, don't you have a oh, spread? Yeah. Oh yeah, same. It's the, it's the big Chuseok spread. It's the same big spread. Right, but right, we okay, do so also set out like the pictures of of 
uh, grandma and grandpa. And there's also, I don't know what, uh, what it says because it's in Hanja, it's the, the Chinese characters, but there's like a little like plaque that has some Hanja there. And yeah, we do like a, a little mini ritual for, right. for that as well. I bow okay. for it and all of that. So this, yep. is, this is my question. This is my question. So this I was familiar with. I've seen this. Um, I've never been there for the day of, but I've come like shortly thereafter and, and seen uh, and I've also benefited from getting like the leftover fruit and stuff and food, um, which is great. Yeah, it is great. So yeah, I got all like the premium pears. It's awesome. Uh, and apples, um, Free so pears, best fruit ever. Yeah. Well, when they're good, when they're good, when they're not good, nah. but when they're good, Oh, what is it called? Yakon. Okay. That's another episode. We'll talk about food another time. I learned about Yakon, which is a root that tastes like a pear. It's bizarre. Um, yeah. yeah like, another time. How many years have we lived <laughs> and I'm learning a new vegetable? Like crazy. Uh, anyway, what I want to ask you, Kev, uh, what mm. she told me, I did not know this, is that during that ceremony, there's a side table and this table gets equal emphasis. It gets just as much food. It gets just as much attention, I guess you'd say. And that's not for any of the ancestors. That's for the God of the house. That's how she put uh, it. We she don't do that one. The God of the house. So you want to appease the God of the house. And it's not a small thing. She was like, yeah. She's like, if you give three fish over here to your ancestors, the God of the house gets three fish. You don't do this one? Mm. No, that one, we only have the one. Maybe her house is too small for it. I don't know. I'll have to ask about it later. Um, but no, yeah, we only have uh, the one, one table her mom, for... Her mom's from the same neighborhood as your mother-in-law. Yeah, yeah we've... I think we've said that before. Yeah, no, um, we just do the main the main spread for for the ancestors, um, and then I mean, putting food outside for them as well. But that's no, that's still just for the ancestors. There's no no god of the house table. But the god, like to, appeasing a spirit, like that does really smack of like shamanism, though. You know, like, oh, yeah, for and, sure. And I feel like her mom, her mom's very serious about Buddhism. Um, we go to the temple, I, I kind of have to bow with her and we go through, you know, and I, I very much enjoy it. Um, she's just very enthusiastic about her spirituality, but I get the impression that um, she takes uh, things more seriously with perhaps what is shamanism. Mm -hmm. Like, um, what's an example? Like the- You said a couple of other things as well. Like, I mean, like I, I've never seen any shamanistic stuff in, I mean, like, you know, the salt things, things like that. I've never seen that in any- of the things that my mother-in-law does. Um, do you, do you guys it's have much more just straight Buddhist things. Yeah, do you guys have any other like house rules though? Like, like uh, I'm trying to think of some other ones that are like the feng shui ones, like um, you can't have plants that are taller than you. Um, no, I've got a plant that's taller than me. You can't have a mirror when you, and like we had a large stretch mirror that faced the door. So when you open up the front door, you looked at the stretch mirror and her mom said we had to move it. It's funny. I've got a, I've got a large, I've got a mirror taller than me, and uh, or a, a plant taller than me, and a mirror right in my entryway. <laughs> well, yeah. my my mother-in-law like is uh, pretty pretty hardcore Christian, so she kind of uh, denounces the the mudang stuff. But the thing I wonder is like people like that. I mean, how much of of an influence does mudang have on them that they don't even that's subconscious, that's cultural? I I bet there's there are things, right? I mean you know just the, the 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 ways that it influences your life where you maybe just by virtue of growing up in korea you know i wonder about culture superstitions like one one really small one i don't know if you guys have run into is um 
in your houses, I don't know about it. Like um, in my house between the doorways, we don't have anything, but in my in-laws house just downstairs, there's a, a door frame that on, on the floor as well, like where the door would close. Uh, uh, stepping on the door frame is a bad idea. And I'm not exactly mm. sure why. You can't uh, do that in a, in a temple. You're not supposed to step on that part. You know, right. every like Buddhist where, temple, is that right, Ryan? Like when you, you uh, take off your know. shoes and then at least in Thailand, when I lived in Thailand, they all have that, that, that kind of like a, there's like a barrier, you know, it's like a couple I mean, inches. These barriers are even just smaller. This is just a tiny door frame in the okay. house, of course, you know, it's, it's not something big, but it, it probably comes from the same thing. I, I so do know in Thailand, it's very disrespectful. When I, my shoes, when I tie my shoes, I put my foot on that edge when I tie my shoes and my girlfriend yells at me for it. I always <laughs> thought it was just because I was being dirty because it's like you're half on the floor. I don't know. I think that one is because you're being dirty. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's, that's different from the door frame, but it's possible that it's connected as well. But there's <laughs> now we're conflating like uh, religion and uh, you know habits. Well, the, a lot know, of these bad small, habits. I mean, that's the thing is the, these these kind of superstitions are you know they they come they're ancient. You know, like stepping on the door frame. Where does that come from? That's that's you know hundreds of years old, probably where it first right. started, and now it's just something so automatic. That one time I was just standing in the door frame because you know there was a, a lot of family around for one of the holidays and I was just standing there because there wasn't a lot of space for me elsewhere and, and my mother-in-law just really quickly like poked me and was like get out the door um, you know just really small things about about that or maybe you know even like where the you know chopsticks are supposed to be on this side or the soup is supposed to be on this side like I wonder how many of these things even Korean people don't even know where they came from like why is it this way and, and oh maybe yeah I bet most of the time we don't from, know. yeah i mean but i mean it's easy to like make it sound mysterious when it's other but like oh man years ago i did uh, a lecture i used to keep in rotation for class uh looking at trying to to find anomalies that that either koreans wouldn't be so much aware of or i wouldn't be so much aware of in both of our cultures you know and the example I would, one of the examples I would always use is um, neckties. So like, why do we wear a necktie? That's a pretty weird piece of clothing. Right. When you think about it, it doesn't really serve a functional purpose. In fact, it's kind of dangerous. You're tying a rope around your neck. I mean, for real, it's not very practical. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. Right. Um, and there's plenty of theories of where it comes from. And the one that's very popular you could find online and you know i introduced to my classes you know with you know the caveat hey this is just a story but one of the popular um ideas is that it was used to be something that uh, a soldier might wear so that if someone went to take a knife to their throat it might ensnare and entangle with the fabric so imagine it more like um an ascot is that the right word <laughs> yeah yeah so it would be like this and so it'd be like between between your armor or something but uh, lets you have movement, but it protects you from like a quick blade or something. Um, and then later, you know, became elongated, became part of, you know, regalia for, you know, aristocrats and shit like this. And now becomes a symbol of, you know, business. And, you know, isn't that kind of interesting? And business is kind of like battle or something. Who knows? You know, I'm getting into this fun discussion about it. But we never think about that. I wear a tie. I mean, not the last two years, but, <laughs> but normally I wear a tie every day for, for work. I never think about this crap. Yeah, yeah it's kind of I mean, there's no, there's, there's absolutely no functional purpose for a tie when I, now that I think about it. It's, yeah, just, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous, useless. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, yeah. angly thing hanging in front of you. It's like a lot of done. superstitions I'm come done from, with ties. from really interesting old ancient things. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I that I kind of uh, that's kind of the end of my uh, my my little uh, spiel about uh, shamanism. But uh, I don't know. I I, I cool I, stuff. Yeah, it was it was really opened my eyes to the culture in a way that I had never really thought about it. And that finding out what's really little... interesting about it to kind of sum up is just how it it really is so prevalent and everywhere, just even in these small little things. You know, like. I mean, how many times have you, I've had students tell me that they got their name changed. And I'm like, oh, you got your name changed? Like, yeah, we went to a person and they gave me a new name. I'm like, wait, what? And I never yeah. realized at the time that the person that they were going to was a shaman who, you know, is choosing their name based on the stars or, or the spirits or whatever it is. And, you know, this is just a, a common thing that I've, I've had people tell me. And it's just like, oh, yeah, got my name changed. No big deal. My, my old name just didn't fit me anymore. And it's like, oh, cool. And that there that is. That's just in you know, a very common thing. It's not weird. It's, it's not strange. It's not, it's not even a religion necessarily. It's just mm -hmm. something that's, that's there. Well, I guess what, like in summary, it's not organized religion, which is, I think what makes right. it so kind of cool is, is that how, how individual, how individualistic it is, like it's, it's or, or disparate it is. And uh, there, I did come across this quote in there and said that uh, Mudang do not work well together um, because <laughs> there they'll argue can, about which that. god is the best one to advise in this you know situation so they're they really can only they can only fly solo you know really if you're a mudang you, you don't want to team up with another mudang because you'll be arguing all day long about you know this implement this tool is better than that one to solve this problem and and so you want to just have the you know be be on your own so and maybe that's what has helped it endure for so long because i mean it's still you know, they're telling the same story they were a thousand years ago. They just, you know, little details change here and there, but it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, trace it back to like uh, the hero's journey. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's human. It's, it's so cool. And this uh, was great. Yeah. I think I learned a lot. Um, I think it's, it's got me to get a little interested in this stuff again. It's been a long time since I've given it a thought, you know, it's, it's nice to be refreshed. You know, you live here yeah. for so long. And uh, that's kind of one of our themes, right? You know, the three of us always talking about how we're like foreigners that have been here for a long time. This is like this type of fascination. It really brings me back to when I arrived here, you know, yeah. like I want to get into it again. I want to, I, I want to, yeah, like re re recover that, like that feeling of the, when you first come into, you know, I, I remember walking with my friend down by the Han River and we just stopped and had this kind of like epiphany. He just turned around and he goes, we live in Korea like in Seoul, just look around. And I hadn't, you know, when's the last time that you just did a kind of, you know, 180 scan across the horizon to see where you are, you know? Um, it's, it's an interesting, very interesting place. And it has a, a rich culture. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think shamanism plays a much bigger role than I ever knew it did. And so, uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk with this, uh, talk about this with you guys. And uh, well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem, man. It's my pleasure. Um, you guys, uh, listeners out there, this is a, a long one here. If you can hang in there for the, uh, especially the, the princess body uh, part that that got that started to drag on a little bit. I apologize for that, uh, but uh, you can uh, you can find us on all the major platforms. If you want to download the podcast, uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Pandora, we're on Stitcher. Um, you can find us. Uh, you can go right to our website, which is thesoulpatch.com. S e o u l patch p a t c h dot com. Uh, for your one-stop shop, you can get the, uh, you can find the YouTube channel there. You can find that you can download us from uh, red circle and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week uh, at the patch. Thanks for joining us. Goodbye everybody. Night. Night.
Let's go. 